When we choose better values, we are able to divert our attention to something better, toward things that matter, things that improve the state of our well-being and that generate happiness, pleasure, and success as side effects. I'm Curtis. My buddy over there is Joe, and we are Dudes in Progress. Hey, Joe. What's going on, my friend? Happy after Father's Day. Happy post-Father's Day, right? Post-Father's Day. Did you have a good Father's Day? I did. I had a great Father's Day, but I'm going to save my little Father's Day happiness till the end for my win for the week. That but sounds just good. Suffice it to say, I had, I had a really good Father's Day. I had a good weekend. It was a long weekend, too. Went to New York City with my daughter again. Been doing that a couple of weekends in a row. Yeah, that seems to be your thing. We saw Moulin Rouge. She was disappointed, though. Her favorite actor was not there. She's, she's guessing he's a new father. Maybe he took the weekend off. So she had some sour grapes, as my father would say. But Oh, that's too bad. It means she's going to take me again, she says. She wants me to see this actor. <laughs> <laughs> and then That's funny. That's really funny. Yesterday, my wife and our good friend Judy and Ken, we went down to the Connecticut shore. Kind of an annual pilgrimage for lobster rolls on the coast. Had a great one. And that was fantastic. A nice day. Father's Day was pretty good, too. Seeing my kids. Sounds cool, bud. Sounds really cool. It was fun. So, Joe, we've had a couple of different episodes, but I do want to finish up this book that I finished reading from Mark Manson. The Subtle Art of Not Giving a... So we're there again, right? Kurt, I'll be honest with you. I just think you like this word. (laughs) No, I don't have a fascination in the language of it. As a matter of fact, I've cleaned up some of it for this episode of finishing up the book. But This has been a great series with a book that I'm intrigued about, but I haven't bought yet. I'll just be honest with you. But I will buy and I will read it. Uh, I think I'm convinced. Uh, But I'm, I'm, uh, I'm intrigued that this book has so much meat to it that we really can make it th- make it three episodes. And I'm looking forward to talking more about it. I'm looking forward to finishing up, not because I'm looking forward to be an ove done with it, but uh I know th- I know how well you uh you like this book and uh, this this synop this final synopsis is going to be interesting, I'm sure. Yeah, I think he finishes up really strong and he talks about prioritizing better values and he's going to give us five values that he thinks are really important that you should choose. So I'm going to go over three of them. The other two, I think you can read on your own, or we've talked about the other two a little bit in the past anyway. So I'm going to go into detail. Are you ready, Joe? I am. Let's do this. Chapter five is you are always choosing. This chapter emphasizes the power of choice and how our decisions, no matter how limited they may seem, shape our lives. So Mark encourages taking responsibility for our choices and focusing on what truly matters to us. And that's of course kind of a theme of our podcast anyway, Joe, right? When we feel that we are choosing our problems, we feel empowered. When we feel that our problems are being forced upon us against our will, we feel victimized and miserable. Let me give you an example, Joe. So if someone puts a gun to your head and tells you to run 26.2 miles in under five hours, 
or he'll kill you and your whole family. That sucks. That does suck. <laughs> That's being forced upon you against your will, right? It's yes, got- but that said, I think I'd probably be more motivated <laughs> to run a marathon. <laughs> you might complete a marathon if that were the case. But if you choose to train hard for months and complete your first marathon with all your friends and family cheering you on, that's one of your proudest moments of your life. Good point. Good point. To to think that to think that you've you've worked hard and drove the power from within and you had a goal in mind and you worked for it instead of being having having it being forced upon you, that is more motivating. Right, you you right. would probably do both, do it both, right? <laughs> yeah. But what would you feel better about? Exactly. What would you tell story? You know, what would what would be the what would be the better experience? You know, it's funny, Kurt, because uh, when they do workplace studies, people do a much better job in complete tasks on time with higher quality when they choose uh, how to do the task. Yeah, perfect not, example. When they choose. Uh, when they're given a direction on what to do yeah. and they choose how to do it. They're part of the choice. Right. Right. Yeah, he says the only, only difference between a problem being painful or being powerful is a sense that we choose it and that we are responsible for it. If you're miserable in your current situation, chances are it's because you feel like some part of it is outside of your control. That there's a problem you have no ability to solve a problem that has somehow thrust upon you without your choosing. Interesting concept. We don't always control what happens to us, but we always control how we interpret what happens to us as well as how we respond. Boy, that's golden. That is golden. And that's, that's age old time tested wisdom for centuries, millennium, you know, yeah. that even, even our thoughts, we may not be able to control a thought that comes into our head. But we can control what we do with it and how much we dwell on it. Same thing with same thing with something happening to us. We may not be able to control an event that happened to us that is impacting our lives, but we can certainly control how we react to that situation. Joe, this value reminds me of something, a topic we've been talking about, you've introduced to me, which is stoicism. Mm-hmm. The Stoics, the philosophy from Ancient Greeks? Oh, yeah, ancient thinkers. That's what I, you know, yeah. Romans, Greeks. Right. Ancient thinkers is what I would say. Not, it's a, yeah. This is a tenant of theirs because I started reading a book and I think this is a topic we're going to get into, the Stoics. So this, I think these all lead into that. You don't, things you don't have, don't worry about things you don't have control about, basically. Exactly. So we're always choosing the values by which we live and the metrics by which we measure everything that happens to us. Often the same event can be good or bad, depending on the metric we choose to use. And then at the end of this chapter, he talks about the responsibility and fault fallacy. The more we choose to accept responsibility in our lives, the more we will exercise, the more power we will exercise over our lives. Accepting responsibility for our problems is thus the first step to solving them. Now, we are responsible for experiences that aren't our fault all the time. This is part of life. And I was thinking of this, Joe, an example. 
would be, this happens all the time. Think of a, a pitcher on a baseball game. He's pitching a no-hitter. Ball's hit. Somebody in the infield makes an error. Right. It's not his fault, the pitcher's fault. And he can get, you know, sometimes they'll get really angry. And really, they could even, they'll even lose the game after because mm-hmm. they lose their mental. <laughs> they just get, they just go mental. I think they, they really lose it. And it all falls apart so fast after it was going so great. Right. Right. There's, there's a book by Jocko Willink. Uh, I think that's how you, how you say his name. He's like a U.S. former U.S. Naval Navy SEAL. He has a podcast. I think it's pronounced uh, Jocko mm. Willink. I read that. It's book. called Extreme Ownership. You have that book? Yes, I read that book. It's so funny. Oh, you got that's that. So, that is funny. Nice, nice, perfect. That is an exact yeah. example of this. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I've not read the book. It's one of those books that I've, I've wanted to pick up and read. But the book itself is. Looks looks unsettling. It looks very intimidating. Uh, extreme ownership. Basically, I've heard Jocko talk about it, uh, and he says basically everything in your life you're responsible for at some level or another. And uh, if you own everything that happens to you, uh, you will be more effective, ultimately more happy, and uh, you'll be a better example to people who you are leading. Yeah. Yeah. You're that's right. Well, yeah, in his case, he was a leader of a SEAL 6 team, I believe. Right. Yeah, at, at that level of his leadership, yes, exactly. He was always the one responsible. Great example. So there's one way to think about the distinction between these two concepts of fault and responsibility. Fault is in the past tense. Responsibility is in the present tense. Fault results from choices that we've already been made. And responsibility results from the choices you're currently making every second of every day. You know, we all get dealt some cards, Joe, in life. Some of us get dealt better cards than others. And it's easy to get hung up on our cards and feel we got screwed over. (laughs) The real game lies in the choices we make with those cards, the risk we decide to take, the consequences we choose to live with. Good gamblers with the right mindset have made millions of dollars off weak hands. Just watch some just watch some videos on the World Series of Poker and some of those guys who win time after time after time. Uh, they they have every chance to be dealt the same cards that the guy next to them gets dealt. But somehow these guys figure out to take the cards that they're dealt and win. <laughs> You're unbelievable. It's like you read the book. <laughs> I haven't exactly- read the book. Is that the exa- exa- example that he gives? I promise you I didn't read that. That's funny. The next line was people who consistently make the best choices in the situation they're given. They're given the ones who eventually come out ahead in poker, just as in life. (laughs) (laughs) And it's not necessarily the people with the best cards. Yeah. He goes into that. That's That's funny. I give you my word, friend. (laughs) I I didn't, I've not read the book. I've not even bought the book yet. You're unbelievable little quote, he says, I I get that my values suck and that I avoid responsibility for all my problems and and that I'm an entitled little shit who thinks the world should revolve (laughs) around me and every inconvenience I experience, but how do I change? So you're already choosing in every moment of every day what to care about. So change is as simple as choosing to care about something else. It's really that simple. It's just just not easy. (laughs) Right. 
I like simple. Yeah. I, you know, I like easy too. Don't get me wrong. But it, it, hard is a lot easier when it's simple. Yeah. Well, there's a bumper sticker for you, isn't it? Hard is a lot easier when it's made simple. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, that was the chapter five on choosing. Chapter six, you're wrong about everything, but so am I. <laughs> Joe, I know you're never wrong. This is going to be a hard chapter for you. It is. It is. I might have to humble myself a bit and, fig- and make stuff up. <laughs> Mark challenges the idea that we have all the answers and encourages adopting a more humble and open-minded approach to life, Joe. He emphasizes that being willing to question our beliefs and admit when we're wrong can lead to personal growth. Questioning your beliefs is an interesting concept I've heard a lot recently. And I never thought of it. Whatever you believe doesn't necessarily mean it's true. <laughs> yeah. And it's not even, somebody might even say, well, that's true for me. Well, I think there are hard and fast truths, right? And mm-hmm. I think there are opinions and there are perceptions and things like that. But I do think that there are some hard and fast, tru- fad and fast yeah. truths in our life, like gravity. Right. Uh, like being struck by lightning, things like that. So, yeah, I, there there are definitely... There are definitely truths. I and I've and I've changed I've changed how I felt. Have you have you do you think you've changed how you felt about things and and your opinion on things? I can think of a few things that I've changed how I felt and the things that I've let go of. Mainly mainly there were there there's stuff that there are hills that I'm just not willing to die on. Yeah. But I'm I'm relatively conservative uh in my life views. I'm more libertarian in my life views and that's not that's not a necessarily political statement uh but you know I'm, I'm relatively conservative and and libertarian in my in my life views and i wasn't always that way uh i i i'm more about just live and let live you know you're you do you i'll do me and if if we can hang out together that's fine if not that's okay too and this i'm going to give you some examples i think here of beliefs that might be holding hold you back in the past. Maybe you'll think of an example. You know, he talks again about Michael Jordan, the quote of him failing over and over again. And that's why he succeeded. And I'm always wrong about everything over and over again. And that's why my life improves. Yeah. <laughs> Growth is an endlessly iterative process. We are always in the process of approaching truth and perfection without actually ever reaching truth or perfection. A man doesn't ask for the promotion because he would have to confront his beliefs about what his skills are actually worth. That's an interesting concept. Mm. It's easier to sit in painful certainty that nobody would find you attractive, that nobody appreciates your talents, than to actually test those beliefs and find out for sure. Put yourself out there. Yeah, that's scary. That's a part of that's a part of perfectionism that we talked about a couple of weeks back. Is a, a perfectionist will not take action many times because they want to do it perfectly, and if they can't do it perfectly, or they don't want to be exposed as somebody that doesn't do it perfectly, they will not do it at all. Right. Uncertainty is the root of all progress and all growth. Man who believes he knows everything learns nothing. But I was thinking of let's say you're looking to at a job and you, yeah, either you, you doubt your ability or you doubt that there's jobs out there. You won't ever even 
go look. Right. Those kinds of beliefs is, is what I'm talking about. I've known many, many people. And I, I you know, when I was looking for a job uh, many years ago, I wasn't like this. I, I feel blessed that somehow my mindset wasn't like this. Uh, my mindset when I was looking for a job, and maybe it's it's about this the selling mindset, the sales mindset, is you just throw it out there. You keep putting it out there. You keep keep getting feedback uh, from the interviews that you uh, that you didn't get if you if you're willing to ask, uh, and you just keep going, keep going. Mm. Uh, I've known people that that have gone to school. And then they they go out and put a couple resumes in, and they get rejected three times, and suddenly their mindset is nobody's hiring. Right, nobody's hiring. Nobody's, nobody's hiring. buying. Nobody's nobody's hiring. Yeah, there's people you just gotta you just gotta hunt for them a little bit. And in today's today's day, I don't think you have to hunt that hard. Mm. There's comfort with knowing how you fit in the world. If something shakes that comfort, even if it could make your life better, it's scary. I think back the early days, there were a lot of people who kind of stayed in that same job that I was doing. And I just kept pushing the technology and learning it. I had a manager, Joe, tell me, I think I may have told you this story, that I couldn't learn a particular database program early, early on when I was pushing the technology a little bit. And I was impressionable. I was young and he was in a place of authority. Mm-hmm. Now, I didn't take that belief on. I think his off-the-cuff remark to me motivated me. I still think mm. of it. Of course it did. Right? It certainly may have motivated you, but to some people it may have demotivated. Right. And that's why you that's why our words are so important. Even even to friend to friend, but especially to our children and to people who look up to us. But even our peer group, the words that we use are important. Some questions to ask. What if I'm wrong? So if if there's a belief there, ask the question, what if I'm wrong? What would it mean if I'm wrong? Would being wrong create a better or worse problem than my current Mm -hmm. problem for both myself and others? So have you ever been wrong about something, apologized or corrected it, and life was better for it? The art of the apology is something that I have learned uh, very well. In fact, I, I'm going to reveal a little something uh, to to you and to uh, uh, everybody out there. Several minutes back, we uh, paused our conversation because my daughter called me, and I she called me because I wanted I, I texted her earlier today and said, "Hey, can can you call me when you get a chance? I want to chat with you." And so she called me and uh, like I always do, no matter what I'm doing, if one of my kids call me, that's the only, my, my kids calling me is that's the only thing that will make it through my do not disturb uh, setting on my, on my phone. But she called me because uh, quite honestly, I said something over the weekend that was flippant and uh, discouraging, although I didn't mean it that way maybe a little hurtful to her. I saw her posture just dip and I knew I had stepped in it, (laughs) Uh, but I was, I was just, I I apologized in the moment the best I could, but I wanted to make sure that I had a, a genuine, sincere apology to her. 
Uh, I'm not going to say what I said. That's not important. What's important yeah. is, is, I understand. Yeah, I have the reason I have I have uh, I'm an expert apologizer is because dag gone, Kurt. I step in it a lot. <laughs> you know, really, I do. Well, you're you're big. It, it takes a big man to apologize and. Oh, I'm good at it. <laughs> I guess you've had a lot of practice. Maybe that's the more you do something, the better you get at it, right? But I'm willing to. I am. <laughs> yeah. I have no ego invested in that. I I know it's the it's the that's better good. thing. It's the better thing all the way around. It's the better thing. It's the it's the better thing for the relationship. It's the better thing for the culture you're in, and it's it's the it's the better thing for the world. Yeah, you kind of yeah, you damage your daughter's relationship. Obviously, yeah. it's gonna be better if you apologize. Yep. He gave an example of a friend whose sister was in, getting engaged and the friend was just horrible to the sister because his value was really a, against marriage altogether. And he mm. took, you know, he let her know. I mean, I don't even know if he really thought that the relationship was going to go bad it was really just his own personal feelings against marriage. Hmm. And what good does that do you to his sister's relationship by going in that direction? Right. So you're wrong about everything, Joe, but so am I. That was that chapter. <laughs> and I, and I receive that. How, hmm. how well do you receive that Kurt? That statement standalone. You're wrong about everything. And so am I. I really like this value to question what you believe in. What are you really hanging on to? And what if you're wrong? I like that question. Can I put you on the spot? Sure. Oh, boy. If you had to pick something right now that you can question your belief in, what would it be? I'll give you an easy one, Joe. I got excited about a particular vacation idea to share with my wife. And it would be a combination of Disneyland because she's never been there and Hawaii because we have a vacation club points that we could use in Hawaii. And because it's far away, they're both far away. And I was mapping out what a two week vacation would be or, and I had it kind of all put together and I went to approach her with that. And she says to me, you know what? I'd rather just do Disneyland by itself and then do Hawaii separately. Hmm. And you know, to my, I didn't like digging my heels on that. I really, I think right away I said, what if I'm wrong? And I right. really considered what she said. And you know, what? I, pretty quickly I went, you know what? I like your idea. Hmm. <laughs> and we started talking about what would that look like? if we did Disneyland for a week and what other things would we do? We started talking about going maybe down to San Diego zoo or going to uh, universal studios in the California area. And then as we started doing that, I was like, yeah, she's never been there. I've been there once a couple of times when I was in college, but I really started like, then you could separate the two and you could concentrate on them more thoroughly. And then we could do longer, maybe longer in Hawaii if we did a separate trip. So I really like that idea. So there you go. Great answer. Great Thank answer. You. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't 
you know, life-changing kind of thing, but still getting along with your wife's a good thing. <laughs> I think it is. <laughs> Wouldn't you agree? Better wife, better life. <laughs> Chapter seven, failure is the way forward. Here, Mark, he discusses the role of failure in success and argues that failure is an essential part of the learning process and that embracing it can lead to resilience and eventual achievement. Just as one must suffer physical pain to build stronger bone and muscle, one must suffer emotional pain to develop greater emotional resilience. That's a word I've been using. I used it at work recently. My boss was, he laughed when I said that. Emotional resilience. Emotional resilience. That's a great word. A stronger sense of self, increased compassion, and a general happier life. Learn to sustain the pain you've chosen. When you choose a new value, you're choosing to introduce a new form of pain into your life. Relish it. Savor it. Welcome it with open arms. Then act despite it. That's not an easy thing to do, right? It is not. It is not. But like anything, the more we expose ourselves to it, the more we let ourselves feel that discomfort uh, and understand that it didn't kill us. Right. Yeah. Once we got through it and we figured out how to, how to navigate those waters, it's just a little bit easier next time. You know, a great example of that is learning to speak in public. Mm. Public speaking is sometimes I think ranked as one of the highest fear. I've heard it is ranked to the highest fear. I, now this was several years ago that I heard that, but I've heard it ranked as, is the highest fear, even above death. Wow. Yeah. I knew it was up there. I guess it, oh, yeah. there could be a debate, but no one can doubt or say that it's not something. I know it was something I've always challenged myself with. I did Toastmasters for a couple of years, and this is so true. And they do such a great program. And they start you out, they give you a little pain right away with a speech, and they ask you to do a five-minute speech. Just tell us about yourself and get up there in front of everybody. Now, it's a topic that you should know very well is <laughs> the, the idea. Right. Tell us something introdu- interesting about yourself. Get up there and hear your voice in the microphone. Stand up in front of people. Get something out, no matter how nervous you are, how painful it is. You could be shaking. And the more that you practice, and it's a very comforting environment because you know they are instructed. There's a, there's a structure to the meeting. They're going to evaluate you. Now, they're going to give you positive feedback, but then they're going to give you also something to work on for the next time. And one of those things that they give you, they count the ums. Mm. I'm an um machine, dude. <laughs> the um counter. I'm an um machine and I'm a double clutch machine. I'm a double clutch machine. I'm a double clutch machine. You know, you know, right. I know. And it's, uh, (laughs) it's one of the reasons, well, my resource for this week, I've got very tuned into ums, Mm. but it's, it's a great example of pain that the more you practice and the more you put yourself out there, the easier it really does work. It's a great program if you want to do public speaking and it's really cheap you find a local group. I love this saying, Joe, you need courage before you reach competence. And I'm not sure where I heard that, but I love that. It just reminded me. That was my own. Wow. That is, I love that. 
never heard you me say that. Courage, you need courage before you reach competence. Yeah. You've got to put yourself out there, right? You've got to put yourself out there. You've got to, you have to, you have to build some calluses and build some muscle. And that takes courage. That takes risk. Yeah. Think about that. When you got something that you're a little bit fearful of, just give me some courage. Just get me right. through this. And then you'll notice the more confidence you'll get, the more courage you show towards it. Life is about not knowing and then doing something anyway. All of life is like this. It never changes. Oh gosh, yes. <laughs> Even when you're happy, I was. I took. I took a chance with some software this week, past week, Joe. I didn't have a lot of time for failing, but it worked out really well. I'm going to talk about it in our win for the week. Fantastic. His math teacher told him that if he's stuck on a problem, don't just sit there and think about it. Just start working on it. Even if you don't know what you're doing, the simple act of working on it will eventually cause the right ideas to show up in your head. Isn't that the truth? Right. Don't, don't just sit there, do something. The answers will follow. And he gives a different take on motivation. Action isn't just the effect of motivation. It's also the cause of it. So he says, action leads to inspiration and inspiration leads the motivation. It's kind of a flip it on its head, right? People think I gotta get motivated before I'm going to take any action. I always like the saying directions more important than position. Yep. Uh, just move. You know, you know what we, we say it at the, at the end of our show every, every, every week, uh, progress is better, is better than perfection. So keep moving forward. Yep. And that's true. You, you have to take action. You have to move forward. Even if we, what were we, what were we talking about in this show? And I said, um, don't just stand there, move, just take a step in any direction. Right. Even if it's backwards, it's a direction, right? Yeah. You'll figure it out that you're moving backwards soon enough, you know, or you'll figure out that you're moving to one side or another, uh, soon enough. Just take action. I love that. I love that. Yeah, if you lack motivation, do something, anything. Just do say I'm going to do this for five minutes, and don't you get caught up in it, and now you're in a groove, right? Yep. Grab hold of your reaction to that action, and it's the beginning that's going to motivate you. A writer said his success was his commitment to write 200 crappy words per day. <laughs> what happens is that small act inspires him, and before he knows it, he's got 2,000 words. So commit to small action. We've talked about that over and over again. With the do something principle, failure seems unimportant. Your standard is doing something, even if it's wrong. And any progress is success. Inspiration is the reward and propels us ahead. That's hard to get a hold. That, that's a hard concept to get a hold of. Mm -hmm. uh, especially if if you're in a high risk situation or there, there are, there's a lot there's a lot at risk, which is, would be a high risk situation, but there eventually comes a time that nothing is for sure. And you have to step out there. I'm facing something right now that I'm, I'm stepping in a different direction, uh, vocationally and it's scary. Right. To a certain extent. For sure. So that was it for chapter seven, chapter eight and chapter nine. We've talked about this one for sure. The importance of saying no. So mm -hmm. that's his chapter eight. And then 
Chapter nine is, and then you die. He confronts the existential reality of our mortality. He argues that acknowledging, accepting our own mortality can help us live with a sense of urgency, prioritize what truly matters, and make the most of our lives. So with that, Joe, we have finished the book. The subtle art of not giving a... What great concepts, Kurt. Thank really, you. thank you for introducing this book. It's been it's been fantastic, the, the discussion. Uh, you know, when you first hear the title of the book, it turned me off a little bit. Yep, exactly. But I, I think it definitely has its place. And I understand why he titled the book the way he titled it, uh, because it puts an edge on it that you really don't get unless you don't give a, right? Yeah. Yeah. I turned myself away from it. And the only reason I picked it up is because it looked like a book that I'd recognized that was very popular. Even if you look at Amazon right now, it's shown as one of the highest rated books, but it's in the Amazon unlimited program. And so if you pay for that program, like I have been, it's, it's right up there high in the, but yeah, I'm glad I gave it a shot. There's a lot of cool concepts there. I hadn't given any thought to in the past. And just the, how, if you just take the title for what it is, I get it. I get it now. Right. Okay. Yeah. You don't have to, you don't have to, you don't have to care about every little thing. Right. Just take action, move forward. Even the, even the chapter I'm sure about learning to say no, who gives a, <laughs> if you say no, right. <laughs> That's right. That's really? Right. This is your no, not theirs, not anybody else's. This is yours. Yeah, we think people care more about it than we give them, than right. they really do. Right. Good stuff, Kurt. Very Thanks, good. Joe. Yeah, I think I started a book on Stoicism, like Stoicism 101. I forget the name of it off the top of my head, but I know you know a lot about it. So I hope that we can get into that. I'm enjoying the book. There's a lot of similar concepts here. I think those Stoics. Way back in the ancient world, had some really interesting concepts. Well, I, I don't know the the book that you're reading, but I you you mentioned it to me, and I know it's not by Ryan Holiday. No, but Ryan Holiday has some really good stuff on stoicism. Yeah, really good stuff. So I thought I'd leave that to you, and I'm again using my subscription to Amazon Unlimited. I picked one that I thought it's it's pretty good. I'm getting through it pretty fast, enjoying it every morning. Joe, did you have a win for the week? I do have a win for the week, uh, and this win is uh, about Father's Day. And I'll be honest with you, I, I I was I was feeling a little weird about Father's Day this this time around because usually by Friday or Saturday, uh, my kids are saying, "Hey, Dad, what do you want to do for Father's Day? Hey, what do you want to what do you want to do for Father's Day?" And I heard nothing. I didn't hear my kids didn't reach out. They didn't say, "What do you want to do, Dad?" Or, "Hey, you know." What time are we coming over or anything like that? And I'm like, man, I was I, honestly, Kurt, I was feeling just a little bit, a little bit down. Yeah, I understand. And, and so we go to church and on the way home, on the way home from church, I said to my wife, now this is Sunday morning. I said, you know, have the, have the kids said anything about Father's Day? And my wife said, no, not really. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing they'll call you or something. I said, okay, well, we'll see. 
Well, I get home and my kids had surprised me with a brunch. They hit, they got there, they got there when we were at church and fixed a great big breakfast with, with, uh, stuffed, uh, French toast, which was phenomenal eggs and bacon and mimosas and mead. And, uh, it was just fantastic. Then we went down and sat at the pool and had a couple adult beverages and sat and talked and laughed. And it was just a fantastic day. It was a lot of fun. Uh, they really surprised me. So that's my win for my week. That's a great win. Yeah, that is a great win. And I, and I love things like that. I love that kind of stuff. (laughs) Your favorite thing, breakfast. It is breakfast and my kids. That's pretty awesome. And they surprised you. Great win for the week. What about yours? Well, I found a way to shorten the time it takes to edit my podcast, Joe. No kidding. Yeah, I was editing a podcast, my Geekin' on Walt Disney World podcast, and I was about seven minutes in. I felt a little bit pressed for time. I I did some work on Dudes in Progress. It's the middle of the week, and I'm seeing lots of ums. And I remember hearing about this program, cloud-based, AI, artificial intelligence, Descript, get it at Descript.com. And I knew that it had that capability. And I had already installed, you get an hour of transcription when you use the free version. And I tried it. And I must say, I didn't watch any videos yet, but I was intrigued. And I immediately bought a month's worth. Well, yeah, like 10 hours worth, the $15 plan. And I think there was something like three to 400 ums in this podcast. Wow. And it immediately found them and deleted them all. No kidding. Seamlessly? Did you have to go back and do a little artful adjustment or anything like that? I've learned, and I'm editing a podcast now, you can have them delete it automatically or just strike them out so you see them in the transcript. Because the Mm. other thing that it does, a little different than what Joe and I are familiar with in editing, where you know you have the wave file that you're you see the you see the audio in your auditing editing program and you gotta like physically delete that audio, right? right? The difference in this program is it transcripts automatically using the artificial intelligence all the words that you or your guests are speaking. And when you go to if you want to remove a piece, you highlight like a word document and you can delete it or strike it out. And so if there are two people editing, let's say I did it half the week and then you did the other half, you could see what edited edits I made. And it's non-destructive too. You can always go back and recover those. So really interesting. So I learned the second time, instead of deleting them, I just struck them out. So I saw where those ums were. So I've learned a little bit. I still have more to learn, but that was really great. And the other thing that was fantastic, my guest had a pretty good microphone, but you know, they're not always great when you're recording off of zoom and they have another feature called studio sound that you apply to your guests audio and your, my audio sometimes even my background noise, you know, I have, <laughs> and it removed the background noise better than the program I've used in the past. Really? Yes. And I'll tell you, I really liked editing the words in the transcript instead of that track audio that we're used to doing. So there's a bunch of features right there that I think it probably It cut my editing down, I want to say something like, I don't think it was about 
25%, maybe 30%. That's significant. But it was, yeah, it felt really good. The other thing is I can drink coffee now and edit because I was, <laughs> there was a lot of physical movement. <laughs> I, I can I can edit my podcast with one hand now instead of two. That's funny. But yeah, descript.com, that's my resource. I'm going to continue to learn it and I'll likely throw another $15. It'll be about $30 a month, but I think it's going to be really worth it. And I'm going to talk to Joe about it. Maybe we'll use it for dudes. I think I will anyway, but we could share that and look at some of the other features that are there. You can even record with it too. Perfect. What was your resource for the week? So that was your, that was your win and your resource. Yes. All in one, all in one descript.com. The win was that you discovered it and learned it. And of course the resource is it. So that's, uh, that's fantastic. My resource to share is actually very similar, Kurt. Mm. It's interesting that you, that you bring up Descript, but mine is mine is something that I have that makes podcast editing easier, but it also makes many things that I do, uh, on the computer easier. And it's a, but it's a physical piece of equipment. It's a gaming mouse. Uh, my gaming, it's a gaming mouse. It has, uh, this has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I think twelve different buttons that you can use in uh, one at a time or in combination. That you can assign multiple keystrokes to one button. So if you want to do something like uh, highlight, bold, and uh, italic, you can do it all in all in one stroke. Or if you want to delete a word and change the change the the format of some or some reason you can do it all in one stroke uh if you want to in audio if you want to delete the file and have all have the rest of the audio move over and cross over i'll just for the lack of a better way of, way of putting it you can assign it to all one stroke there's many many things i mean thousands of keystrokes that you can assign uh using this mouse and multiple keystrokes and just one single button. You lift your thumb up and press it and you're like, it, it works. It's magic. My particular mouse is a Logitech G602, uh, but really any gaming mouse. And you don't, it's, it's not necessarily for podcast editing. Uh, you can use it for many, many things. Cause if, if you're doing, if you're doing multiple keystrokes to make something happen in a word document or in uh, a um, photo editing doc, uh, photo editing program, or anything like that, uh, uh, some kind of some kind of process where you use multiple keystrokes to make one result. This will do it for you. It's pretty awesome. There's a bit of a learning curve, but I love it. It's the Logitech's G602. And once you get used to those shortcuts, they're a little tough at first, right, to get mm -hmm. the get it down. But they can really save you a lot of time. I know I use some basic. The worst ones. thing is. The worst thing is when you use when you're so used to using your 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 mouse and the in the short shortcuts, and then for some reason you find yourself in a situation where uh, you don't have that mouse, and you're like, oh man, what am I doing? And your thumbs like switching up to try to hit that button, or your <laughs> right. your fingers moving over to try to hit the button that's not there. But still, that's my resource: the Logitech G602 gaming mouse. If you want to do multiple keystrokes with one button. I love it. Now, this time I usually like to talk about things going on in the community. We got our buddy Kevin Curtis Allen with I Love You t-shirt 
but not in a weird way. <laughs> he's at the Isle of Wight Festival. It's right near his house. He's been posting video to Joe and I and posted in our private Facebook group. <laughs> he did not wear his geekin shirt, Joe. He's got his Simple Joe t-shirt on, which is a joke between Kevin and I. He does this to me all the time. Or it could be that he just likes my t-shirt. It could be. I don't it know. could be. Don't come on. Don't now. be so sure. Come on now. He saw Blondie and Robin Williams. I don't Robbie Williams. I don't even know who that is. Right. But I know Blondie. I don't know either. Yeah. Yeah. The other person from our community is my wife, Margita Joe. We re- listen to the show in the car every Saturday. We usually going up to see her mom. Her mom's in a nursing home. And she says, put on dudes in progress. Okay. Well, I told you that she got me a t-shirt. I saw it on the dryer washing machine. And mm-hmm. I got a look at it, which gave me the inspiration for the episode. And we talked about it in last week's episode. She didn't know that till she heard the episode. <laughs> That's funny. She Boy, didn't know did. that you'd saw it in advance, huh? <laughs> I acted like I had never seen it before when she gave it to me. Yeah. Which was cool. She's looking at me, that stink eye, you know. Like you son of a gun. Exactly. Your wife also, it's, this is kind of the kind of feedback. You sent me a little message that says, your wife thinks I sound like I'm from New Jersey. Philadelphia. How in the, Philadelphia. Yeah. How in the world does that happen? I think they're not that far away. She's, there's a, a certain way they say some words like water. 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 No, I, 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 there are I, some words. Have, I, I would have never guessed that I sound like I'm from. All right. Do that research. Yep. I'll have to figure it out. I'll but have to figure out. She says that to me all the time. Joe sounds like he's from Philadelphia because we used to <laughs> vacation in Wildwood, New Jersey, and they had a lot of people from Philadelphia. We would always we always hear that dialect down there. There you go. That's a couple of things from the community. Joe, you got a quote for the week? I do. In fact, uh, I kind of referenced the thought behind this quote, and the in this the thought of this quote was in the book, and I had no idea. Uh, that it was in the book. This comes from the one and only General George S. Patton. And I love this quote. Never tell people how to do things. Tell them what to do, and they will surprise you with their ingenuity. George S. Patton. Fantastic. I love it, man. It's It just says so much, and that's so true. It's a simple wisdom. Uh, that you can that you can implement with your kids or anybody that you're leading. Uh, allow them allow them to do it to use their ingenuity. Tell them what you want the end result to be, but don't tell them how to do it. Say this is what I this is how I want it to look, and then have the courage to step back because you'll probably see them make some mistakes or do stuff in in a way that you may think is in, is inefficient. But that's not the goal. The goal is is to allow them to use their ingenuity and come up with the result their way. I love it. Never tell people how to do things, tell them what to do, and they will surprise you with their ingenuity. Thank you, General Patton. Yeah, boy, that's a great movie too. George C. Scott. George C. Scott. I love, I love those movies. Yeah. The, our military has learned how to adapt, right. And overcome in many of those conflicts for sure. Their ingenuity. Yep. Joe, mine is from the book from Mark Manson. The only way to truly be in control of your life is to let go of everything you think you're in control of. Mm. I think that will lead us into our next topic, which will be stoicism. 
you know, let's talk about that for a second, if we could. Uh, and we should have talked about it into in the in the uh, primary part of the show, but letting go of letting go of control and trying to manipulate situations as you try to control is a is a big weakness of mine, Kurt. I'll just be transparent. Uh, I, I do try to control way too much. Try to control the narrative in a situation. Try to control the result. Try to control the um, how people think and look at stuff instead of doing the best I can in the moment, letting it go and let the result take care of itself and that, and somehow come to peace with it. Mm. Right? Yeah, for sure. Let go of control. Stop trying to manipulate. Stop trying to control the narrative. Uh, and when I say manipulate, I don't mean it necessarily in a bad way. It's mainly just control. Try to controlling. Try to control every aspect of a situation. Let 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 go of that. And that's me talking to myself a little bit. But I'm sure I'm not the only one, right? Yeah, you asked me a question during the episode. What's a belief? How did you word it? You know, what is a belief that that you feel like you could change right now? Okay. Well, I was thinking of one that I I believed. I, I didn't realize. I think when I first went to college. I thought everybody believed in things the way same way I did. Mm. That was really naive. I think that I think that is an indicative of of youth, though. Yeah. Come to find out, boy, there are a lot of other beliefs out there, aren't there? I remember my arrogance, Kurt. I remember my arrogance in uh, when I when I would have conversation with somebody at, when I was when I was in my early twenties, late teens, even mid twenties. Uh, I would just. Every hill was a hill I'm willing to die on. And somebody once said to me, Joe, you think you're always right. (laughs) And I said, well, why would I think I'm wrong? (laughs) That would be stupid to think you're wrong. Of course I think I'm right. How about the naivety in that statement, huh? Yeah, maybe some wisdom has (laughs) come your way over the years. Now... I'm wrong all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Great stuff. Good quote. I like that a lot. I like that a a lot. Hey, just to remind you that our website is dudesinprogress.com, dudesinprogress.com. You can email us at dudes at dudesinprogress.com. If you want to check out our Facebook group, that's that's an engaging community there. Uh, Just go to dudesinprogress.com slash Facebook. And if you want to support the show, you can go and go to dudesinprogress.com slash support. That'll take you to our Patreon page where you can uh, support us if you feel so moved to do that. Remember, Kurt, progress. It certainly is better than perfection. We got to keep moving forward. I think we're wrong about some things, Joe, but we'll try to do better next time. We will. We will. Take care, my friend.